0: This podcast is brought to you by Catch the Fire Boulder, where we're more than a church. We're family. For more information about this podcast or other resources, please go to ctfboulder.com.
1: Thank you, everybody. I'm so excited to be here. I came to ask the church for help. I need help with something that God has given me to do, but it's much too big for me. And thank God that he has a body of Christ. But before I begin, I believe in discipleship. We all believe in discipleship. And everyone needs to have one or two people that they are discipling. And so I'd like to introduce one of the people that I'm discipling. She has something she'd like to share. And she'll introduce herself.
0: I'm going to start us off with a Bible verse. John four twenty four says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Hello everyone. My name is Hosanna and I'm twelve years old. I come from a big family with twelve siblings, one in heaven and ones on the way in August, and I am the second oldest. I'm here being discipled by my nene, and also I've been discipled by four other people. My mom, my dad, my aunt Dewey, and my papa. I'm here to tell people about Jesus. I had to work to come here for $140 for my ticket, and I was the first one out of everyone in my family to earn the money to come here. I am homeschooled and my favorite subject is history. I also like to sing, dance, and hang out with friends and family. My favorite day of the week is Sunday because my nina and my papa bring over a whole bunch of food and ask us two questions. One, the first question they ask us is, do you have a problem with anyone at the table? And that helps our hearts. And it, some, sometimes someone has a problem. The second question is, um, have you done anything nice for anyone this week? And the winner gets a dollar. Even the adults can win. <laughs> Some ways I worship is I dance, and I choreograph dances. I sing, and I sing scriptures. I play I play five instruments. And my favorite is the bass guitar, where I create and pl- write music. Worship is very important. It helps you focus and finish all of your tasks to connect to God and love him more, to stop stress and make you happy. There's many ways to worship. You can sing, dance, serve, give, read your Bible, pray, and meditate. Some story, I'm going to tell you a few stories. One, I was at our church for our camp, and um, I asked the Lord to to come to me, and He healed me from these horrible headaches. The second story, as God spoken to me when in my Sunday service church, and He told me that I was going to have a little sibling. His name is Hezekiah, and he. And a few days after, my mom said that I was right, and she was expecting. One other way, another one was I was um, at my house and I was a friend came over and I choreographed a dance and delivered her from pain. God demands worship because it's good for all of us. Let me end in prayer. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you that everyone is here, and thank you that I got to come. I ask you that you would come and bless us with your worship and thank you that worship is so important to all of us. In your name, we pray, amen. Amen.
1: Thank you. you
0: She did good. It's not easy
1: learning how to hold a microphone and talk to a lot of people you have never met before. I have some scriptures I would like us to look at also. I'd like to start, please, with John 14, 1 through 7. John 14, 1 through 7. These are red words. That means Jesus is speaking. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I got a couple more we're going to read. Matthew uh, seven thirteen through 14. Again, these are red words. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. And my last one this morning, Matthew seven twenty-one through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven As I said, I came to ask for help. Uh, I'm not great at marketing, so I'll just get this out of the way and then get on to um, what I, the testimonies I want to share. So I was saved in a vision in heaven back in 2000, and then in 2008, the Lord took me to hell. I was in hell and burned because I would not forgive. When I got to hell, the sentence that was given to me, the three words that were spoken, are you are in hell eternally for unforgiveness. That radically changed my life, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, I wrote a book about that. It's called The Hell Conspiracy, and um, I I tried to bring one for everyone. There's a whole bunch of books outside. I pre-mailed them, but they got lost somehow in the mail. So I will resend them. I'll send them to Christy so you can each have one. What I'd like you to do is to read it and then give it to someone that you love that doesn't yet know Jesus. Because if they don't know Jesus before they die, they will go to hell. Also, as you read it, You may fall under conviction because our God is holy and he's serious. And if you harbor unforgiveness in your heart, be warned, you're headed to hell. So I wrote this book and I tried to make it a New York Times bestseller. Um, What you get if you are a New York Times bestseller is a title. So you get a title. But what happens is immediately that book is translated into Spanish. And then it's translated into another world language. And I choose Chinese because I've been to the underground church of China and they need hope. You need to sell 9,000 copies in one week. I don't know 9,000 people. So for this book, I did a 12-week book launch. I went to 12 different cities and when it came due, I was 500 copies short. You know, it's okay because many people got saved. I got testimonies. I got a testimony from a woman in Dubai. She she emailed me to tell me that someone had left the book on the plane and so she read it and She fell under such conviction that she needed this one and only Jesus who can get you to heaven. And so she gave her life to Jesus and now she has led her mother and her friends to Jesus. So hallelujah. People are being saved. Um, And so that is that book. Uh, I recently wrote a new book. It's called Encountering Heaven and there's some of these cards out there for everybody. Um... I want to tell you that I am 100% in to making a soul be saved. Now, what does that mean in my world? So I had to I had to purchase 1,000 copies of this book ahead of time. That doesn't count towards the 9,000. It's just because I'm the author. And then I raised enough money for a 16-week book tour, which is very interesting. I. Uh, I raised the $16,000 so that I I don't ask the church to bring me or send me. Um, I ask God, send me. And so I raised the money, and I'm traveling 16 weekends in a row before this book comes out in hopes of reaching 9,000 copies on the day that it becomes for sale. So these are all pre-sale. That's the only way that I can possibly sell 9,000 copies. So I am 100% in. I'm inviting you. Please join me in 100% in. And there's four things, actually five, that you can do. Number one, if you want to be 100% in, invest $100. You go online and you can order five of these copies online from um, Christianbooks.com. Barnes and Nobles, wherever you would like to order them from. Order five copies, then spend 100 minutes in prayer, 20 minutes for each book you're going to give to a lost one. And uh, you're going to love the stories in heaven. Reach 100 new people. Write me an endorsement and email me or Facebook me, and I'll use your endorsement to meet 100 new people that you don't know yet. And always give 100% glory to Jesus. Amen? Because only Jesus saves. This card, if you'd like to take one, it's all ready for you to mail it out. Mail it to a friend. Because um, I don't know 9,000 people. I really don't know. I really don't know (laughs) 4,500. But if you'll help me, if you know someone that you think would like to help, you can mail it to them, write them a little note, let them know. Who knows? Maybe it will make it, and maybe people will be saved. I want to tell you about uh, Jesus. The first time I went to heaven, I met Jesus. I was a lost woman when I went to heaven. And uh, on the day that I went, it was just a remarkable day in that I I was very angry. I was angry that God was not giving me what I wanted. And I was a lost woman. But he took me to heaven and showed himself to me. And I want to spend time telling you what he looks like. He reached out his hand. He was standing in an archway. He reached out his hand. And there were these wounds on his wrists. And I thought, well, that's not right. Because I grew up believing that the, that the nail was in the palm of his hand. Since then, I've found out if that nail had been in his hand, he would not have been able to stay on the cross. But he didn't stop me and say, Lord, your theology is all wrong. Get out of heaven. (laughs) He brought me to heaven for a purpose. I needed salvation. And I really believe if I had not been brought to heaven, I would not be saved today. He wanted something from me. I knew he wanted pain. But I didn't know how to give God pain. On this day, I was suicidal. Had been suicidal for a year had attempted and failed, which adds more shame. When he said, I want the pain, the only thing I could think of was cigarette smoking. (laughs) I smoked three and a half packs of cigarettes a day. And I had tried to quit. I'd been on the two patches. I could put two patches on and still smoke, and still not get enough nicotine in me. I tell people back then, I used to smoke in the shower, which is true. You can. You have to be careful where your mouth is in in relationship to the shower spigot. But Jesus wanted something. He wanted pain and suffering. Seems so strange to me. Why does the king want that? He asked for it. I put my head down and said, no. No. I just knew he was going to show up with that whip. You know, the whip that he went into the house of God with when they weren't obeying the ways of God. And I was sure I was going to be whipped. And nothing happened. And when I looked up, peeked up at him, he was smiling at me. How can God be smiling at us? Now, he turned himself up, for lack of a better understanding. He turned himself on like a dimmer switch up and down. Jesus turned into a man made out of water or of diamonds. He, you could see his frame, but he just shot light out of every pore of his body. Brilliant. But I had to close my eyes because he was too bright for me. I now know the reason why I could not behold Jesus in more brightness was because one, I wasn't saved, but two, I'm not obedient I don't trust. I did not trust Jesus, and I was not obedient. And if you do those things, you'll be able to see Him more in His brightness. He asked me to look over here, and I looked in a room that was filled with gifts. It was about the size of a basketball court. And it was totally packed with gifts, every kind of gift you can imagine. It was wrapped in the most amazing wrapping papers with the fancy ribbons and bows. And they were all for me. And he said, some gifts are things I want to give you, and other gifts are things I need to take away, which sounded so strange again, that God would take something away. I was very, very excited. Did you know that in that room, there were gifts for every single day of my life, and sometimes two or three gifts for me? Wow, who is this God who plans on blessing us every day? That he's already got your blessings all set up for you. He already knows what it is that you would want or desire. There was. He asked me a second time, give that to me. I put my head down. No. But I said it. No! People say, you can't talk to God like that. I want you to look at your life. When have you told God no and stood firm in your no? It happens. He took a step closer and when God moves closer, you, you change your breathing and you start breathing what he's ex- exhaling because his very breath will bring you life. He's remarkable. He turned himself... Uh, for lack of an understanding, like, I could see a movie playing out in Jesus. Jesus is so strong and so, so compassionate and so passion-filled. Jesus is so patient and kind. He's the most loving man I've ever met. He has more authority than than the most most... person, person, whoever is the most authority person in the whole world, pick the president, all the presidents together, they only have authority in their baby finger compared to him. Everything stays in its place because of him. Everything he tells it to do, it does it. The only ones that don't always obey God is us, right? And then those, those demons, but even they have to obey him. He was after something. He was after my heart. And I looked at him. And inside of him, I watched this movie of Jesus dancing with his bride. And she was really, really kind of plain. I mean, nothing spectacular. She had long blonde hair. She was wearing a, a a wedding dress that was real simple. It was just an empire waist dress. All the girls always want to know what kind. It was just an empire waist dress with puffy sleeves. And he was doing this special dance with her. And I watched it and watched it and watched it and watched it until I hurt. Everything in me needed, I needed to be that girl that was dancing with him. And when she would look at his eyes, his eyes were like a campfire. Have you ever watched a campfire? Before you know it, the log will move and time has passed. It's like, where did that time go? You were just... In a special place, watching a fire. And that's what their eyes were like when their eyes were looking at each other. And she would twirl around, and when her eyes were not on the Lord, there was the darkness would come and try and touch the hem of her dress. And the Lord's eyes turned into such a burning, serious fire, it frightened the darkness away from her. And they danced, and they danced, and they danced. And I hurt because I want to be loved like that. I've been married 38 years to a wonderful man. His name is Mike Ditto. That's how I got that name. And Mike has never loved me like this. I'm sure Mike loves me more than, there's more than any man on the earth, Mike loves me, but he doesn't love me anything like Jesus loved that woman. And once I could see what I needed, it was a need. I would do anything and everything to get that fix. And then I looked at her ankles. And I have gorgeous ankles. When I was in India, you have to keep your ankles covered because in India, ankles are considered a, a, a very alluring part. And, and mine, I really kept covered in India because they're just gorgeous. But as I was watching that woman dance, she, she was me. Once I realized, hey, wait a minute, those are my ankles and that's my big toe and that's, that's me. I don't look like her yet because that woman was fully engaged with Jesus, fully given over to him. Her heart was his. She knew who she was. She knew she was his favorite. And she was so in love with him and I realized it's already me. He's already chosen me and everything in me came alive that day because I knew lost people need to know that Jesus Christ loves them right where they are. They're not who they're going to be yet, but Jesus loved me so deeply. And then when he said, give that to me, of course, of course, I will give you anything you want, Jesus, anything. But why? Because I need you. I need you. I need you more than when I breathe. I need you more than what I drink. I need you. I need to be that woman. And I am. And when he said, give me that, I moved closer to him. He put his forehead to my forehead. And he rewrote what I think about myself. And in an instant, All sadness, all depression was gone because Jesus is the great deliverer, amen? And in an instant, I gave up low self-esteem for Christ's esteem. I have value. I have worth. And even if I don't see it, it doesn't matter. I saw the man's eyes who love me, and it's eternal. And I was instantly changed. I was delivered of cigarette smoking, In an instant, all the medication that I was on, delivered. They say, you can't come off that. Of course you can when Jesus takes care of you. Of course you can. I was transformed that day. I went home, changed woman. My husband said, I didn't marry a Jesus freak. I don't want to be married to a Jesus freak. I said, look, you better listen to me. I'm God's favorite. (laughs) I used to hope God would let me into heaven to clean the toilets. That's what I used to think. If you'd just let me in. I told my husband, maybe that's you. (laughs) Because I'm the favorite. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. But I knew that Jesus loved me. And because I knew Jesus loved me, I became a sponge. I want to know you more. I want to know what you like. And because of what Jesus like, I changed how I walk, how I talk, how I dress. I became what my husband called me a Jesus freak. I became that more and more. Because I want to tell you, this man who loves me. I found out he loves all you the same. But this man who loves me. I will never leave him. I will never forsake him because he showed that to me. Why would I ever leave this one who has all authority, all love, all care? Oh my goodness, I loved him. And my life got radically changed. That was back in 2000. I went hard after making sure my husband would know God, making my my children to know God making sure that my grandchildren know God because people who do not love God are going to hell. Before I left him, I said, is there anything I can do for you? Jesus said, go tell others about me. That sounds like a task, but it's not a task, it's an identity. I asked the wrong question. Have you ever done that? Ask Jesus the wrong question. He gives you an answer that's like, hey, the two don't mix. It sounds like this works. Is there anything I can do for you? (laughs) Wrong question. Right question. Who am I? And he said, go tell others about me. That's my identity. And that's what I do. I tell people about Jesus because if you don't know Jesus in this lifetime, you will not spend eternity with the king. And I've been to heaven multiple times. That doesn't make me special. It only makes me responsible. And Jesus has taken me to heaven. And every time I've been to heaven, what Jesus wants is he wants me to figure out, Lori, you're not living it correctly. You know, we pray the prayer, thine kingdom come, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth. But if you don't know what it's like in heaven, then how can you live that? So he shows me something. Now go back. And just live this. And I'm not the only one that's going to heaven. Every meeting, I usually meet one or two people who've already been to heaven. But they know if you tell people you've been to heaven, they're going to call you weird. They're not going to want to listen to anything you say. And I, I get it. I'm called weird. But you know, I've been to heaven. So what? Go ahead, call me weird. And, and that responsibility of heaven was very weighty and I would tell everybody about heaven but I want to tell you something even though my identity is go tell others about about me go tell others about Jesus I tell people about heaven and you know what they're not so interested in Jesus why because everybody thinks they're going to heaven every faith has some sort of something where you're going to you're going to end up in some sort of glorious something wow Our job is cut out for us, friends. So then it was in 2008, in a vision, the Lord took me to hell. And inside of this book, the first chapter is about heaven, and the last chapter is about heaven. And the last chapter is the most powerful vision of heaven I've ever had. I don't don't tell that one, because I don't want to leave a part out. I'll give you the book so that you can read about what was the most powerful vision I had in heaven. And as I said, there's not enough out there, so I'll send more to Christy. But I went to hell because I would not forgive. I had a childhood that, that had pain and suffering. And you know, Jesus, when he delivered me of cigarette smoking and he delivered me of uh, medication, he plugged stuff in there. And so he takes something away and he puts something in. And he takes something away and he puts something, something in. And now it was time to deal with all the unforgiveness that was in my heart. You know... I doubt that anybody here in this church where the left side won't talk to the right side, but I have been in churches where that's very obvious. Where children won't talk to their parents. Where siblings are broken apart. Families torn apart because of unforgiveness. How important is it? Every Sunday, I make sure that my grandchildren ask, we ask each person, do you have a problem with anybody at this table? Because that root of bitterness that gets stuck in you, its intention is to take you to hell. And when I was in hell, I, was not, I, was not a, um, I wasn't there just for a visit. I burned. My skin dripped off of me. There were very significant pains in hell. First, the realization that I am separated from the one who loves me because I refuse to obey. Refused to obey. I figured, look, God, we're, we're, we're good. You know, they're going to stay on that side of the world and I'm going to stay on this side of the world. And, and I'm not going to talk to them and I'm not going to think about them. But you know what? That root was growing in me. I understood when I was in hell Matthew 18 very clearly. Let me tell you what I what I understood. Matthew 18 is set up that there is a uh, man who's called in to the king who owes him a debt too big to pay. I've done some research. The debt that the man owed... Was 2,142 lifetimes of debt. 2,142 lifetimes. So it was a debt too big to pay. He said to the king, Please be patient with me, and I will pay you back everything I owe you. And this king did something absolutely remarkable. He wiped away that debt. Oh, my goodness. The man who had his debt wiped away walks out, finds his brother, who owes him three days' wage. Pay me now. I, please be patient. I will pay you everything I owe you to jail with you. That servant gets brought back to the king. You wicked servant. Didn't I forgive you all your debt? You can't forgive your brother a small debt? Go get all of the debt that this one owes and put it back on him, 2,142 lifetimes of debt, and throw him in jail until he pays it all back. Oh, my goodness. In hell, this is what I understood. I understood that when the king... Oh, stop. I didn't finish the scripture. Do you know, after the scripture, it says, Jesus says, And so my heavenly father will do to you also, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart, That's to you and me. That's ours. That's Jesus. That part's real. You see, when the great transfer happened, let me wipe away your debt, what should have been take something away, put something in. What should have been put in was a heart like the king. That man should have had a new heart. That man should have been able to forgive. Or all he did was steal from the king again. And I was found guilty of that. The Lord had forgiven all my sin, a debt too big for me to pay. And because I would not forgive, I was sentenced to hell. It was devastating. Such significant pain. I looked down in my left arm, and there was yellow stuff in my bones. And it all went black. What that is is uh, bone marrow. It makes life. All the water in my body evaporated. My bones were grinding on my bones. The fire was burning me, burning me. And I was twisting and turning in so much agony. I broke my own back. My eyes split apart because nothing works in unity. My ears were hearing all the screaming of all of the people. 100% unnecessary. Unnecessary. And the worst pain of all was when I knew what God had done. He had taken the robe that he was wearing and he ripped it at his neck. And it came across his chest. And whatever that meant, it meant he's done with me. There were multitudes of people in hell. There are more people in hell than what are in heaven. And I've been to heaven many times. There are more people in hell than in heaven. And hell is expanding. And when I got back, I, I, I studied the scriptures to find out how much of what I realized, what I saw is in the Bible. And there's so much of what I saw that's in the Bible. Hell is expanding to accommodate the numbers of people who are going there. And these will be people in our families. But God. We have to do something, church. We have to do something. Jesus said to me, he's coming back soon. What he said was, he's coming back sooner than I realize. You know what that means? That means that all those mansions, those rooms that he's prepared in heaven, they're empty. I have been there. I've walked through certain rooms. And just like on the earth, when you prepare a nursery for a child that's coming and then that baby is miscarried, the nursery sits empty. There are rooms in heaven. Jesus Christ has prepared a room for all people. All people. And they are not filled. Those people are burning in hell. Eternally. You have a body in hell. You hurt. And I, 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 wrote, I wrote all about it here. And I wrote it in such a way that hopefully the lost will hear I carry a wound from Jesus for the lost. I carry a wound. Because the scripture that we read, narrow is the way. Wide is the path that the world is on. And our family is on that path, church. What are we going to do? We have to do something. If we love them, we have to help them. Now, I know not everybody is an evangelist. I get you. Not everybody was given the responsibility that I was given. But we all got to try. Just like I'm, I don't feel that I'm, I'm an intercessor. But I pray and I spend time praying. I fast. I spend time fasting. It's like, well, I'm not an evangelist. That doesn't let you off the hook for sharing your faith, church. So you need some tools. I want to help you. I want to make sure everybody gets one of these books. But then, if you're willing to order this book, Talk with Christy. And if you order five books, I'll send you the five matching ones for free. I'll send you these for free. It's like, why? Because what is it worth? The scriptures teach, what if you gain everything? But you lose your soul. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. God has remarkable things in heaven. It's like, what? What's some of the things, Lori? Tell me some of the things that's in heaven. So, my new heaven book has 15 individual visions of when I went there. You'll love that. You'll love hearing about all of the things. And the Holy Spirit helped me write down amazing little details. But one of the questions I get asked a lot, that's one of the chapters in the book is about, it's not about this, it's just a little side thing. Do our pets go to heaven? Everybody wants to know, do our pets go to heaven? And I want to tell you that the pet that you loved and took care of went to heaven. Not all the animals went to heaven. I was in heaven. And these puppies come running up to Jesus. They're so playful. And they jump into his arms. And they're taking, he's taking turns playing with these puppies. And one puppy jumped up into my arms. And we understand each other there. We understand, um, we understand the animals. And the puppy jumped up in my arms and it said, I love you. And I was like, it loves me. I expected to love Jesus. It loves me. And I looked at this dog. It was my dog when I was seven. His name is Snowball you're here oh my gosh you're here how did you get here because he's a good good father that's how he got there my good good father has collected my tears and he knows the 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 chapter is not about pets it's about it's about um it's about the horses that are in heaven and being equipped and there's a story of a parade and I know I don't have time to tell you about the parade. But I want you to know that the scripture, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I watched that play out. There are people walking in the parade because on that day that the Lord is honoring, the, he, he, he's choosing people who did something for him. There was a woman marching in the parade who had baked a cake. She was taking the cake to a family. They had already miscarried two babies. So when she heard that they were pregnant, she made this cake and she prayed to the Lord. And she asked him for his goodness. And she delivered this cake. Seems like such a small thing, doesn't it? She was highlighted that day marching in the parade Because of her love for them and her love for God. There was another man marching in the parade. All he had done was he was praying in the car. Came up on somebody who had a flat tire. And he helped that person change their tire in the love of God. And Jesus is highlighting that man in this parade. And behind the parade... Are people who lived that day on the earth, but they didn't do anything for God. But they're in the parade because the Lord is working mightily in them. Hallelujah. And someday they're going to get saved. And the Lord was hard at work to save them in that parade. You want to be in the front of the parade. Do something today that shows that you love Jesus. Inside of that vision, um, I didn't see Jesus right away. I noticed his horse. His horse is like three stories tall. It's a huge horse. And this horse is adorned with sparkles, gems. I want to speak to all the boys right now. I know boys like shiny cars and maybe a shiny watch. But in heaven, you're going you, to put the girls to shame with shiny. Because everyone appreciates the gifts that God gives. And he gives all these sparkles to put all over you. And you, you gladly accept them. And he loves the boys just as much as he loves the girls. So he's going to deck you out too. But his horse is really covered in sparkles and gems. This horse was marching. This is how he marched. And he would say, I'm the Lord's horse. I'm the Lord's horse. And when he would say that, it would cause us to say, I'm the Lord's girl. I'm the Lord's girl. I'm the Lord's man. I'm the Lord's man. I mean, it was really, he's a remarkable horse. But I, 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 was, so, I was so fascinated with the horse, I forgot to look at the man on the horse. Who's way, way, way more important? And so, you know, I'm trying. I'm. I, he's already passed, and everyone knows you didn't see Jesus. You came to heaven. You didn't see Jesus. It was like, yeah, I got to see Jesus. So, I start going that way so I can get in front of the horse so I can look up and notice Jesus. That's what I'm doing. And I never made it. I looked up to the back of the man on the horse. And what I saw dropped me to the ground. And all I could do was, with gratefulness, make the loudest sound in my body to give praise to the king. Worship. What I saw was Jesus' crown from the back. I've always wondered what his crown would look like. It's made of glass. Light shoots out of it. It's a crown of thorns. There's only one king that can wear that crown. And he wears it in the parade because this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And every single person that is there is there because our king paid our price. For some reason, I thought that the cross was too ugly to be in heaven, and yet it's the It's the perfect example of love. And Jesus wearing that crown lets us all know how important we are. We are his favorite. It reminds us of his great uh, love, his great deliverance, his patience, his long suffering. His goodness to send us the Holy Spirit. That crown makes him superior. And in heaven the Lord is called the Almighty. And so when I, when I pray to him, many times I call him that because that's what they call him there. Almighty. Only one king gets that title. Our king. I've thought about heaven without certain family members that don't know Jesus yet. You know what? We try not to depress ourselves, right? I don't want to think on bad things. But I want to, I want to challenge you, church. Think about it. Jesus thought about it. Jesus thought about what it would cost to save humanity. In fact, didn't he ask the Father, is there another way? Not my will, but your will. He thought about it. And the only way that we could come to the Father is through the Son. But not everyone will be there. Who in your family today is not headed for heaven? You think about it, church. It's like, well, this is a downer, Lori. No, the downer will be when you're in heaven and they're not there. That will be, I'm sure those are the tears the Lord's going to wipe away from our eyes. is when we look around and our loved ones are not there. And what will we say then? So we can do some things. Find your favorite worship song. Find it on YouTube. Get the little link and text it to them. Hey, I listened to this song and I was thinking of you. Music is a very powerful thing. Write them a love note. I was praying to Jesus for you today. And I remembered this about you. Let them know that you pray for them. And when you see them, ask them, how can I pray for you? And before you leave them, pray for them. I have family members not saved. When I get to their house, I say, let's pray. You know what they say? Oh, okay. And before I leave, I say, I love you so much. Let's pray to Jesus. And I pray, God, get them. (laughs) I mean, you don't have to be, you don't have to be so, uh, it doesn't have to be so serious it can be but be seriously loving we can do this you know why I know we can do this because Jesus already told us to he would never set you up for failure everything he told us to do not only is it doable but it's going to result in great things so I wanted to come and ask for your help. I'm 100% in because I have family members who are lost. I mean close ones. I have grandchildren who have not yet accepted Jesus as their Savior and we're all on the walk trying to get there. I want mine saved, but you know what? I had this wound and if you tell me about a lost person in your family, I want your family member saved. I want to encourage you, pray for them, get them literature, you know, read your favorite book, whatever's your favorite book, and, and send them that. My goal is that when I get to heaven, that my, um, my reward is when I look in the Lamb's Book of Life and I see name after name after name of people who made it. And we can spend eternity together because the alternative is horrific. Let me pray for us. I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that I'm your favorite. Thank you, Jesus, that every person in this room is your favorite. That you know us. That when we say, Lord, Lord, you hear us. God, I ask that you would bless us. Search our heart. Anyone who has unforgiveness, God, highlight it right now. Cause our heart to be beating out of our chest because we would know we're in great danger of eternal separation. Help us, God, reach our family and our friends. We want to go to heaven because you're in heaven. We want to dance with you, King. And be able to look in those eyes of fire. Lord, bless all my brothers and sisters here. You're not a respecter of people. Give them all wonderful visions of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.